Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be encountered here, your forgiveness experienced, your love and hope be made known. Amen. Amen. So who's ready for Christmas? Nobody? I see a lot of heads shaking. No. Hmm. Who's got their Christmas tree up? We're in church, right? Who still needs to put up a Christmas tree? Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Uh, who's got some Christmas decorations out? Yeah, we have the inside of our house mostly decorated. The outside, not so much. Our neighbors think we must be the Grinches that moved into the neighborhood this year. <laughs> if you can't see the inside, you wouldn't know. Two of our neighbors, right, just to our sides, amazing. Our house, <laughs> nothing outside yet. But there's a lot to prepare for. Meals to be made, cookies to be baked, gifts to be bought, wrapped, things to decorate. How many of you feel like you're behind on your preparation? Most of us. A few of you are those type A overachievers and you make us all sick. <laughs> but as we prepare for Christmas, what are we really preparing for? Right? We're in church, so you know it's, it's Jesus. We are preparing for Christ's birth. And there's times where I wonder what we're really preparing for. More decorations, more gifts, more lights. I worked retail when I was in college. And the retail Christmas season, as you know, starts like right sort of after Halloween. Or in July. <laughs> Sometimes in July. More and more. And, and I get it, right? I know retailers in, in a huge part of their bottom line comes from Christmas sales. So I understand where they're coming from. I understand why they do it. But when you work in that, as there's two things I learned that I would tell new employees that came to where we worked in retail. I said, Christmas, be prepared. One, we're going to be busy, so the time will fly, which is great. Number two, you're going to meet the greatest customers and the worst customers this store has ever seen. At the same time, right? Literally, somebody could walk in and they would say, I worked in a record store. They say, do you have this cassette or do you have this CD, which tells you how old I am, right? We, we brought back old albums just as vintage items to sell. But they would say, do, do you have this on, on tape? Or do you have this CD? And if it's one of those really popular items, there was a good chance we were sold out. And somebody sometimes would go, you know what? That's what I get for shopping on December 23rd or December 24th. And then I would have the opposite person that would use four letter words to describe my customer service because we were out of what they didn't come get two weeks earlier. And so I would tell them, just be prepared. It's their frustration, their last minute anxiety is gonna come out on you. But what are we really preparing for. 
The prophet Isaiah speaks to a people who have been in exile. And this is the turn. He begins to announce for the Lord that exile is ending and the return home has begun and that God will do this. So much so that even generations have gone by now and they haven't been able to go home. I think it's interesting when you read this from the prophet Isaiah, he still calls them Jerusalem. He still calls them Judah. Go back, Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. They don't live there. They're not in that city like in Jerusalem or in that land of Judah at the time when he speaks to them. But there's two things that happen when he does that. He reminds them of who they are, who they have always been, and who they will be. It's an identity statement in beautiful, poetic fashion. And then also proclaims that it's already done. So much so that they can hope and trust. That's where it says flesh will pass away. Grass and flowers wither, but God's word, the word of the Lord stands forever. And I love the way the prophet puts that. And if you look it up in your, in your Bibles, right, it's in poetry form. You're supposed to read it like it's a poem. And these words are supposed to be art that inspire hope. But the prophet also says there's work to be done for this hope to come to everyone. The mountains must be leveled and the valleys will be raised up. I've lived by the mountains. Didn't live on the top of the mountain, lived by the mountains where you could see them every day. And at first when I read this again now, I, wonder, I don't want the mountains leveled. I think they're beautiful. But it's, it's, it's the, what is being said is not literally that mountains are going to be torn down. This is not the literal part, but this is the poetic part that says, make the road smooth so that God can come in. There was this idea, when we think of a bride coming into a wedding, we always clear a path. And sometimes we have people drop flowers. We have usually little flower girls dropping flower petals, usually rose petals, in front of them, making that way smooth and beautiful so the person that is to be honored is being come, coming in. And they would do the same sometimes for a king, right? The king doesn't ride over the hill and into town. You ride through on the level road and come in. The promise of Christmas, the promise of hope, calls for preparation. And I don't think it's only in lights and gifts, trees and busyness and cookies. Still make the cookies, please. <laughs> right, my favorite Sesame Street character, Cookie Monster. Right? Please still make the cookies. We love them. But in your preparations, be mindful of what we are honestly preparing for. The Buddhists call it the miracle of mindfulness. 
in your task, mindful of the task you are doing, and mindful of why you are doing it. But isn't that beautiful? And I think that applies to us as we approach Christmas, preparing for hope. As Isaiah says, the hope is already here, the hope is already promised, and the hope will come whether we get it right or not. But how much better if we prepare? How much easier to receive the Christ child that is coming, that brings the hope of salvation for all? As I thought about this more this week, and even after I thought the sermon was through and written and finished, This is the work that God does. This is the work that God could do solo. But if you read your Bible long enough, you realize that God rarely operates solo. God always works with us and through us and for us. And not just for ourselves, but for the world, for God's world, the world that God made. So as we prepare for hope, we're called not only to prepare our own hearts, right? Come to the Advent services on Wednesday night, right? Just get that extra kick and extra prayer, all of these things. But we are called to prepare the way for God to come in, not just for ourselves, you know where I'm going with this, but for others, and now I'm mindful of, as a family, as we prepare for Christmas, how am I making a way? Even though she knows the story, right? My mother-in-law lives with us. How are we making a way in our home so that once again, as Mark says, she can hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Because it's that I love to tell the story, right? For those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. We need to hear it again. As my daughter, I've got to just call them both teenagers now almost and make that adjustment. My daughter turns 13 in January. How do we prepare so that they hear that message again? They know the story of Jesus being born. They know the story of the manger. They know the story of no room in the guest house right they know the story of no room in the inn they know the story of census and mary and joseph and traveling donkeys they know the story of jesus would grow up to be christ on the cross for us but how do we prepare so that they hear that story again how do we prepare Right? And this is one of my jobs as a pastor, so that our church staff, who we overwork this time of year, we add work, right? We add busyness, we add rehearsals. How do we do it in a way that allows Christ to come into them? How do we make the road smooth, not for ourselves? We're making the road smooth, not so that we receive Christ personally. Yes, that's also true. 
but how do we make the road smooth so that others hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that God becomes one of us, proving God's love for us, and that God's word of God's love and grace and hope stands for eternity, for all time, for everyone. We have a challenge. My challenge to you this week is to level the hills. We're in Tennessee, in this part of Tennessee, we don't level mountains, we have to level the hills. I lived in the part where you have to level the mountains. They got more work to do over there. And raise the valleys. For all the people that God has put into our lives. Because every one of them needs to hear that story again. The story of hope that God still loves them, always has, and always will. Amen.